Thank you for listening to the Praise Family of Churches podcast. We have physical buildings throughout Oregon in Monmouth, McMinnville, Eugene, Mitchell, and Willamina, but our community extends around the world. If you would like more information about any of our churches, please visit www.praiseonline.net. Hello, everybody. Nice to see you again. So I'm sitting in my Bible school class in 1978, and sitting uh, two seats down from me is Bob Dylan. Yeah, the, the Bob Dylan. The one uh, singer-songwriter from the 60s, and uh, I think he's like 97 right now. I don't know, but he, he was one, one of my heroes. He was a great songwriter, and the reason he landed in Bible school is he made a commitment to Christ and, uh, in a Bible study in L.A. who had connections to the Bible school I was in. So here he is, landed in our class, and I'm sitting a couple seats down from him, and he's got his, you know, big black coat on, and uh, I said, how you doing, Bob? He goes, hey, how you doing? So anyway, I, so it was just a weird moment. But after that, he recorded a couple of Christian albums, and one of the albums has turned out to be one of my favorite albums of all time. It's a slow train coming, and on that album, the song, You Gotta Serve Somebody, is uh, really important uh, and a good song. Uh, it, the, the words of that song, I'm going to just uh, do the first um, stanza. It says, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You might like to gamble. I'm starting to slip into Bob Dylan. Here, you might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you've got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Anyway, Bob Dylan was uh, <laughs> one of my heroes, and that song uh, is really cool. Now, Paul the Apostle writes about that in the last part of chapter 6 in Romans. He's writing to the church in Rome, which is largely Jews that had relocated there, but there's also uh, people who are in the Roman culture of slavery. And the Roman culture of slavery is people own people, and your goal as a person in that culture was to just get out of slavery and to be free. Um, and so he writes this in verse 19. He says he uses slavery as an example to teach about freedom. And I, I want to read those verses to you. And then it ends with verse 23, which is one of my favorite verses in the scripture. And I'll explain more about that in a little bit. So I'm using an example, Paul writes, from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as, sl as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from being things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin... And have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. And then verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I just want to share with you a little bit, because Paul the Apostle was getting that idea that Bob Dylan got, or I guess it would be opposite, Bob Dylan got what Paul the Apostle was saying, you got to serve somebody and it's and and I want as we talk about freedom today I want to understand a little bit of what comes with it it's it's you're free in Christ so our freedom and our bondage and I, I know that many of us struggle in in, in in there's addictions there's struggles and there's there's uh, things in life uh, 
you don't want to work for anybody so you get your own business, but quite often you realize you don't own your own business, your business owns you, or, or you want to live the free life and, and own a ranch, and then you realize, wait a minute, the ranch owns me, and I, it's, it's, you have to serve somebody. And so this issue of freedom is more defined about who you serve and who is in charge of your life. And I want to make the case today that if you choose, choose to follow Christ and become a slave to righteousness and, and who he is, we're living in um, quite, a, quite a moment. June 2020, I tell you, can you believe what's going on in our world? Um, it's, I don't have to, that's what everybody says when you start talking. It's like, can you believe what's happening in this world? I think it, 2020 is going to go down as like a watershed moment. It's, it's a time where great uh, turmoil produces a change in direction in people's lives. And it, I, I just want to, examine it because we have we've had different watershed moments in the past uh 9-11 was a watershed moment if, if you go back before that we had oh the watergate issue and the president had to resign if you remember that and then the 60s wow that was a ter tremendous tumultuous time i remember those i was aware of the news at the first in my life when in the 60s there were uh, riots then and people were being shot and killed by dozens, I mean, it was really bad. Um, we, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated in San Francisco. Martin Luther King was assassinated, and um, marches uh, and protests uh, were just unbelievable, and the whole country was, you're feeling like you're going to come apart. And, and uh, we lost a president through assassination. John F. Kennedy was killed. And in the middle of all that time, it was such a tremendous pressure and be, but before that, we had watershed moments in our, in our culture where World War II happened. And we, and we remember Hitler and uh, the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. We had uh, the, the atom bomb was dropped, and, and, and so it changed the whole world. And before World War II, there was the Great Depression. In the 30s, the Great Depression shaped people like never before. My dad... Uh, was uh, 19 years old in 1930. He was born in 1911, and his older brother was born in 1909. <laughs> I know. I was the youngest of a lot of kids, and he was old when I was born. So it's kind of wild to, to know that my dad was born in 1911. They were kids in New, in, uh, living on a farm in North Dakota, and both of their parents passed away. And then the Dust Bowl days of the 30s happened, and they lost their farm. And my brother's... I mean, my dad's brother, Bernard, and my dad, Gunder, and all the kids down, there were nine of them, all the way down to five years old, left North Dakota and traveled west to Montana and settled because they heard that you could pick rock and get paid a dollar a day. They were starving. They were, they were in a place where they, they didn't have a safety net, so they were trying to keep everybody fed. And it changed my dad, and it changed my Uncle Bernard. Now, both of those guys accepted Christ at, a, at, a, at, a, uh, at a, an outside uh, revival meeting, and they both accepted the Lord. But uh, they, they carried with them the change of the depression through life in different ways. And I kind of want to make the comparison today a little bit about that, because it was a watershed moment of direction in our lives. Uh, my favorite... Uh, trip on a horse. I don't have many because horses I, scare me. But I, we were 
traveling over the Great Divide in Montana. We got to the very top uh, in the Bob Marshall Wilderness there. And you look east and you just see rolling hills as far as you can see. And you can actually see the curve of the earth. And then you look west and you see green hills. And we're on the Great Divide in the Rocky Mountains. In other words, rain that falls on top of that divide goes one way or the other. It either goes, flows down to the Missouri and out to the Mississippi and into the Gulf of Mexico, or it flows down into the Snake River and out to the Columbia and out to the Pacific Ocean. It's a watershed. It goes one way or the other. And I believe we're living in that kind of a time right now where decisions are being made inside of us by how we relate so when I talk about freedom today, I want to talk about how uh, the path we choose will actually produce a destination in our life and a destiny for you. And I believe the Lord has a destiny for all of us that would, would cause us to live and be slaves of righteousness rather than slaves of sin. Uh, these are times that are, uh, you know, you... You come home from your work and you're tired and you sit in your chair and you see how the riots are going tonight. You just watch TV. And in the middle of all this turmoil, you watch and you can see acts of righteousness. You can see people who step in and love. You can see people who, who pray. You can see people who serve. And not all these Christians are just people who have something in their heart. They're more of a slave to righteousness and right things than they are to sin and evil things. So this is a time when we have to really check ourselves and, and realize what we're a slave to. And the first thing I want to share with you about the responsibility of this freedom as, as being a slave to Christ is to carefully love. I mean carefully love. Not just, I guess there's a careless love, I guess where you just uh, state that you love somebody, but then careful love is, is that you listen and you act and you have empathy and you get it. A while back, we're, we're talking about the Good Samaritan story and Jesus taught about your neighbor and who it is and he talks about the Good Samaritan who, before he showed up, there were two others that walked on the other side of the road and they avoided it. So I think to listen carefully and to have empathy is to get what the... The pain is and understand um, the conflict because we're in a conflict. We're always in a conflict. Paul the Apostle writes about the conflict people were in there about serving sin or serving righteousness, serving God or serving the world and Satan and all that. So uh, we're continuously in this watershed moment. And one of the things we need to do is to love carefully and to empathize. Uh, <clears throat> People who uh, work as dispute resolution specialists or conflict resolution people, uh, they have a question they ask, and it's kind of a, they call it a magic question. And here, here's what it says. Uh, if you're in a conflict with someone, you should write this question down. If, you, if, if you're listening today, this is a good question to have in your hip pocket for a time when you're in conflict. So this is the question that careful listening and careful love is about. It says, what is it that I need to know that you don't think I understand? What is it that I need to know that you don't think I understand? And then carefully love that person and try to get what they're going through. And I believe that's what the Lord did all the time. He sat with people People on the margins, people hurting, people outcast, and he listened, and he, he carefully loved them. And I think that's really, really critical. It's, it's, 
It's going low. It's humbling yourself. It's being poor in spirit where we realize, see, my dad uh, was poor in the 30s when he lost the farm and they were, and it changed him. And it, you know how it changed him? He, he, he produced acts of righteousness his whole life by loving poor people. He, I woke up many a Sunday morning to people sleeping on the couches and the house was stinking because of, because of a sleeping off an alcohol binge. And it was like, who are these people on our couches? And dad picked them up on the highway. And, you know, it's like he loved poor people. And he, you know why? Because when he was poor in the 30s, he remembered being poor. And he could relate to them. And he understood. And I remember hauling him to town and dad giving him $5 each. And he would say, don't go drink it. And he knew they were going to. But he loved them carefully. Because he had empathy, because he knew what being poor was about. Um, Tim Keller, um, uh, <clears throat> Timothy Keller writes a, a sermon about being poor in spirit. And he says, the church has to understand and get this and realize what people are going through. And to be poor in spirit means to really get that we are broken in the world. And we're broken without Christ. We don't have anything without him. So we're, if we're slaves to righteousness, slaves to Christ, we're broken and poor in spirit. And he said, <laughs> He said in his sermon, it just messed me up. He said, the problem with the church mostly is that we're kind of middle class in our spirit. <laughs> we're kind of like, I've kind of done this by myself. I kind of gathered this up or I've kind of made a life for myself and I'm so proud of my accomplishments and blah, blah, blah. This is not a time for that. This is a time to be poor and in our spirit, to carefully love and show some empathy. So, uh, I, don't run to the mic and start spouting. Just listen. I, I just, I, I'm hoping that I can uh, get that across to us. Because I, I think God is convicting me to just, shh, 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 shh. just listen. Okay? Uh, second thing I want to talk about is stay on the free side of the gift. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to read this uh, last verse 23, which is a, is a favorite verse of mine. Because... It's a verse where you can use to actually, if someone's saying, I don't know about this God thing, I'd like to make, make a commitment to Christ, and what do I do? Well, this is a good verse to take them to, because it says, the wages of sin is death, but, this conjunction, this little word, but, which is a great thing, because there's a whole other complete thought coming, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death, and if you want to figure it out it's it's you understand that there's a if you diagram this there's a there's a cliff on this side and, and a cliff on this side and you put the wages sin and death on this side and on this side you put the gift of God is eternal life and then the little but the word conjunct the but the but word <laughs> the conjunction is eternal life through Christ Jesus the Lord and Jesus makes a bridge so we can go from the wages side the death side, to the eternal life side, and the free gift side. There's a big difference between wages and the free gift. Wages is what you deserve. In fact, if you work, you expect wages. If you get mad, if somebody doesn't pay you what you're deserved. And this is what he's saying about what sin is and our broken condition of this world is. We deserve death. This is something that's it's just the way this world is. But there is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a free gift. The gift. Now we have to understand that this is not earned by you. It's a gift from God. So that's a big difference. The, the, don't tell your kids to behave themselves. 
uh, and then you'll give them a gift. No, that's wages. It's proper behavior. So just give them a gift. See, this is, where, this is what God is saying to us. Don't, don't consider salvation like something you earn. This is a gift you get. It's free. So uh, that whole Santa Claus thing, it's all wages, you know. Be, be naughty or you don't get anything. See, this is the deal. God is communicating to us in his word here. The gift of God is eternal life. And it's on this side that we need to live um, and stay on that free side. See, going back to the comparison, my, my dad was affected by the Great Depression of the 30s and poverty, but so was my uncle, his brother, his older brother. Except he was affected in a different way. He remembered being poor and being in poverty and struggling for survival, and then he lived a life of uh, just hanging on to everything he could, just trying to survive. And, and to, he... he he was in love with a girl who wanted to get married, but then he, he had suspicions that she was after his money, and so she broke it off. It was just, it was just a crazy thing. His possessions owned him, and he, his poverty and what he went through changed him. He was on the gift, he was on the wages side and not on understanding the gift of God's side. So instead of caring for poor, he, he tried to accumulate. See, it's a watershed moment. You're going to go one way or the other. You're in a watershed moment right now, and we're going to go one way or another in our culture about how we see people. We're going to stay on the wages side, say this is what they deserve, this is what they get, or we can go on the free gift of God's side and say this is what God is calling the world to, the free gift of salvation through Christ Jesus. So my dad, who... <laughs> Cared for the poor and gave most of his stuff away while growing up. He, he died kind of poor, but incredibly wealthy in God. My uncle, on the other hand, he, he died wealthy. He had like a couple of different banks because they had too much money to keep in one, I guess. And, and he died wealthy, but financially, but poor in riches in God. So here's, they both went through difficult days. And they both experienced this watershed moment. But one understood the free gift of God, the salvation, and that there was forgiveness. The other one had fear of losing it, and his fear dominated uh, his life. Perfect love casts out all fear. Understanding this love of Christ casts out the fear. And it casts out, it's, it's the solution to prejudice. It's the fear that's at the core of it. Everybody's afraid of everybody. So we have to come to a place of having caref careful love and empathy and then staying on the side of the free gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus. It, it's just, I, I don't know what else to do except explain what God is doing in me. And right now, he's just dealing with me on my confidence in him and my, my fear level in, in the world around me and my confidence in God. There's this continuous battle. Am I going to trust God? i got to stay on that same side of the free gift of salvation is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you see this at the end of this chapter, of verse 23, there's a, the eternal life... Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Whenever you see Christ Jesus, 
instead of Jesus Christ. It's emphasizing the messianic uh, part of Christ, that he's the one who redeems the world. He's, he's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. So it's Messiah Jesus. This is why we have to understand that when the world comes apart and they, and they wonder what's going on. I love the the picture uh, I saw on one of the social medias, a lady peering out the window, and her, the little caption was, I'm, I'm looking to see what chapter in Revelation we're in today. <laughs> it's like, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of turmoil and stuff, but it's really important to know that Jesus has this, and he has the world, not just now, not just this decade, but eternally. And eternal life starts now when you're in Christ. When you choose to follow him and rest in him and stay on that side, it, it's not like we, we have to uh, uh, fear anything because our life ends in him, come whatever. And I know that Jesus is that bridge. Now, okay, here's the, here's the kicker. Jesus is the bridge that allows us to go from the wages of sin and death and this dark side to the light side, the, being the slave of righteousness instead of the slave of sin. We can go to that side, but I can tell you this. You can also go back the other way. <laughs> you, can like, you can like be a follower of Christ and do all the things you're trying to do, and then all of a sudden fear grips your heart, and you start freak out, and you start focusing on the wrong things, and you get back over here and says, well... I got to get back over here and, and deal up, make people accountable and make sure the wages and all that. Calm yourself. Search the scriptures. Let Jesus be your peace. Come back to him and come to that side where you trust him with your life. And eternal life doesn't start when we die. It starts now. So our life with Christ begins today and goes for eternity. So the prophet Bob Dylan was right. <laughs> you got to serve somebody. You may, you may be rich or poor. You got to serve somebody. And it's a decision that we all have to make. And these times, I, I want to just encourage you to, to just love carefully and stay on the free gift of sight and understand the grace of God and live there and, and dispense that grace and that love to others around you. And then being free in Christ, starts today. So I want to ask you that, and I want to just maybe check your heart. I want to pray with you because it's really important that we, we come to him and let him help us with this. And you might have questions in your heart, and maybe you've never followed Christ yet, or you haven't made that decision. Today's a good day to do that because it'll give you peace, and it'll give you that satisfaction of knowing you're his the rest of your life. So let's pray, okay? Thank you, Lord, so much for this time of just looking at your word. And I just, Lord, also want to thank you for, even in these times of turmoil, you have created a, a place for us to be in peace and trusting you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would cause, cause us to be people of uh, slaves to righteousness, that we would dispense right living everywhere we go and that we would speak words of righteousness and that your Holy Spirit would give us the power to do this. And so uh, for those who need to make a commitment to you today, Lord, I ask that you would just receive them today as they, as they ask you in, in, into their life. We repent from being on the wages side and trying to earn our way and we come to you on the free side 
of accepting your eternal life through you, Lord, our Savior. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It has been a great day to be together, and we're so glad you were watching online. We have a couple of questions for you to ask one another in your groups, or if you're by yourself, we would love you to write them down and just meditate on them or journal them, or even text the question answers back and forth. We are going to have the questions on the screen after we're done here. So the first question is this, what does freedom mean to you and what has God freed you from? Think about that and just have gratitude for that today. The second question has to do with my first point in my sermon. How can I love carefully someone this week? These are important times for the church to rise to this occasion. And I think we can be used by God if we will just let him do that. So thanks for being with us today and we'll see you all next week.